1: that's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch.
2: Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing, so we made ByHeart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.
1: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? The producers of this podcast recognise the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging.
0: The following podcast contains content of a graphic, violent nature and is not suitable
3: for children. I wanted to be a cop, if we're honest, yeah, Yeah. yep. Yeah, I want to be an athlete or a police officer and, you know, life doesn't always go to plan.
0: Vanessa Valentine is a very philosophical person. It's funny, but I find that's quite a common attribute among members of a club that she belongs to. And she belongs to a couple of clubs. Vanessa is a musician. She's a talented writer. She has a criminal record. She's a survivor of sexual assault and intimate partner violence. But the cohort she belongs to that I find often produces great philosophers is the one made up of serious long-term heroin addicts.
4: This is Australian True Crime with Michelle Laurie and Emily Webb. Come with us as we go beyond the news cycle to find out how people become killers, how people become victims and what happens next. This is the first of a two-part Australian True Crime special
0: because Vanessa's story just refused to be contained in one episode. I'm sure you'll agree it's a story that shouldn't be rushed. It's not every day you have the opportunity to hear firsthand how a well-behaved, studious, happy child from a loving home found herself estranged from her family and living on the streets before her 20th birthday. But that's Vanessa's story. We begin on a happy note,
3: though, with her early childhood memories. Look, I had a really awesome upbringing. My mother was incredible. My mother's family were just amazing. So I'm lucky I had those really healthy foundations. Unfortunately, when I was about uh, 12, I think, or 13, I um, was sexually abused and that went on for like a year. Yes, it was a family member on my dad's side. And um, so I'm a musician. That's what I've done my whole life. And it was so, like, I guess the irony my guitar came everywhere with me. It was my safe, My, you know, I loved it. I loved writing and this individual asked my dad, they said, hey, could Vanessa teach me how to play the guitar? And that's how the abuse started in those lessons. And it's so interesting because I think back and I was so scared of drugs. Like I really was, you know, I was a goodie, two-shoes, My friends used to joke about taking drugs and I'd storm off. Like I was, you know, little goody, two shoes. My kids um,
0: are like that now. So I can really, as you're saying that, and they are 12. So uh, as you're saying that, I can really, I'm actually getting um, goosebumps thinking about how life can change for a person, a young person, because my kids are, I mean, you mentioned vaping and they are scandalised. Their their dad smokes. They absolutely and they hate that. Oh, you would think yep. he, he was smoking crack. He smokes cigarettes. Yep. Yeah, they're just absolutely horrified. So, same sort of kid you
3: were. Yeah, I hate my dad smoked as well, and I was just like, that is like, the idea of it just you know absolutely not. And um, it's funny how quickly things change, and you know that abuse started, and I changed very quickly. And it was only actually a few years ago that I sort of went, you know what? I would have been that cop. I would have done that. I would have done this if it wasn't for that. And I'd never really admitted that before. Do you remember the, do you have any access at all to to those
0: emotions that went before the drug use? You know, we understand that drugs and alcohol then come in for a lot of people as a way to self-medicate and cope with childhood sexual abuse. But do you remember? The in-between, the sort of the feeling of were you able to tell your mum or?
3: I think it's so horrific that you you just cannot process it. You you cannot process it. So I used to do a lot of writing mm. and I just wrote in my journals and they were incredibly graphic and I wrote songs and that's what I did and that was my way of coping uh, until obviously uh, drugs. But um, I didn't want to tell my mum because I adored my mother and she'd own. Like she raised us as a single mum. She is an incredible woman and my dad and her divorced when I was like 12. But um, she refused to date because she was too scared. She was worried that she was going to let a man in. I am.
0: Yes, I get that. Yeah. Because everyone thinks it's gonna be a stepfather. So she didn't want to let a man into the house?
3: Yeah. I'm not like that. Yeah, she just to to protect the children and you know, like I'm like, you should have dated, like, you know. But she was just like, No, I wanted to make sure nothing happened. And the you know, how crazy that it happened anyway and it was somebody that we knew on my dad's side. But um And you, your poor little girl. You you didn't tell her because you didn't want to hurt her. No. My mother actually asked me at one point, she said, Hey, are you okay going there or is something happening? And I remember feeling like I could tell her and I just, I didn't. My dad, when I was 16, I think, it's all quite hazy, obviously, the, the timeline, so I apologise, but I think I was about 16 or 17, my dad actually found my journals that I'd written, really graphic, like very, very graphic and he called me and we never had a good relationship. He was, you know, I used to call him bi- bio dad, you know, so just, right, which we're, we're better now. We're talking now. Um, it, it's good. We're rebuilding our relationship, which is really, really good. But he called me furious and I was like, oh, my God, what's going on? He was like, who the fuck did this to you? You know, really angry. Um, first time he'd sounded like a, a really, you know, um, loving, caring, protective father. And I was so angry and I just went, well, you know what? I said, I'm going to tell you who did it. You're like, I'm going to kill them. I said, it was your dad. And, you know, my dad at that point, obviously it was just too much for him to confront that and he went quiet and just said, um, do you want me to forget about it? And I said, yes, I was scared. I, you know, I didn't want it all coming out and um, that was it. It was never spoken about again. And I hated my dad for a long time for doing that, you know, but I, how hard, like that's so confronting, isn't it? Imagine your, your dad, like I just can't, it would be a horrible thing to have to, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's hard to
0: think about what your initial reaction would be, but then it's hard to think that you
3: would stick with that too. I know. And that's, yeah. You can understand that initial. You can you can forgive that and go. That would be so hard. But you know, it it got like it got really bad from that point. His entire family were calling me, telling me I was crazy, that it was the drugs. That you know, so it just had to. That that was it. I sort of cut
4: him out, and um, that was it. Yeah. When your mum said, "Hey, are you okay with this?" She maybe noticed some changes. What were the changes before you ended up going to the drugs? I think I was definitely more withdrawn.
3: I was a really good liar. I don't know if you believe in star signs. I'm a Gemini. I'm a Gemini. Oh, go <laughs> the Gemini. This Gemini's. chick next to me, yeah. We are very good, you know, we're very good at um, keeping that secret. I did it really, really well. And because I was already a musician and, and you know, I loved Nirvana and, you know, the whole grunge scene, like I don't think my mum saw it as anything you know, bad or... Also, she, yeah, at that age where she might have been thinking maybe her girlfriends are saying, oh, it's that
0: age. Yeah. She's, she's a teenager. It's grand Totally. it's yeah. normal.
3: Yeah. And, and my mum was just so, bless her, like she saw the best in me and she just... I was a good kid, like I was such a good kid, and this is why I think it's so important because it can happen to anybody i I pretty much raised my my little my little sister I you know I was a really, really good kid, so it just would have been so like no way drugs, Vanessa, like I didn't even swear like well, she didn't know I fucking swore but, yeah. <laughs> I think it's really important too
0: because be, behind every addict is a story. yeah no mm-hmm. I had this conversation with my kids in the car yesterday. Wow. Because nobody is addicted to drugs or alcohol because they're happy. No way. Totally. No nobody way. is. Yeah. There is a deep, deep pain yeah. behind every addiction. And Absolutely. I think this is really important. Yeah. Also, nobody I know starts at heroin. So where where did you start? Well,
3: I was a weird... Don't yeah, tell me you I, did. Yeah, I was a bit weird. I know it's a really weird... Um, well, sort of. So the abuse was happening. My dad was staying with his parents. Ugh. And so, yeah. So I'd obviously go stay there and it would happen there. Um, and I was like, this is ridiculous. I cannot like, my brain just can't do it anymore. What, 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 what am I looking for? And, um, I found Valium in his drawers and I was like, okay, I'll, 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 try this. And, and that sort of made me feel good. And that happened a few times. And I j- gradually, over months just started getting depressed, I guess you would say. And I started thinking about picturing myself using drugs. I know it's a weird thing to say, but that's what I started seeing. And I remember, this is so weird, but years and years earlier, I was like 10 years old and my mum and I were walking from, I had a dental appointment and we were walking through the city and I spotted a used syringe on the ground. And I'd never seen one before, but I remember just looking at it and I just, it's the weirdest feeling. I don't even know how to describe it, but I just felt this real connection with it. It was bizarre. I don't know. And that always just stayed in my head, right? And um, as I got older and this was happening, I was thinking about the drugs. I started picturing myself using drugs, using heroin. You know, I was looking at movie stars and so I had all those pictures. It would have been late. Nineties. I was like year eight and I went up to a girl. So mind you, I'd been taking the Valiums and stuff here and there and, and I went up to the only girl I knew in the school that dealt pot and I said, hey, I said, um, can you get me something? And she was like, oh, yeah. She's like, what do you want, pot? And I was like, no. And she's like, speed. I'm like, no. She's like, Eggies, no. She's like named every drug under the sun. And she's like, what do you want? And I'm like, oh, um, can you get me heroin? And she was like, oh, you're fucking crazy. Uh, and then said, so I'll see what I can do. And that was it.
4: You're a very hardcore year, right? It is intense. Yeah. I don't know. I had
3: a goal, I guess.
4: <laughs> yeah. So
3: I came from this like family that I guess you would call normal as much. Yeah. Of, I hate that word. You know, yeah. relatively normal, mm. you know. Uh, my mum didn't smoke and swear. And this chick at school, and she sadly, was. Can I say, sadly, yeah. what was ha-
0: even happening with your grandfather was not abnormal. Everything you've described is kind of normal. I
3: know. Isn't that horrible? There's going to be a
0: lot of listeners saying, yeah, if not themselves, <sighs> then a friend or, you know, someone close to them. It's it's a pretty normal upbringing you're talking about actually. Isn't
3: that crazy yeah. that it has to – it's so sad, you know, and my dad's family – I, I was raised by my mother and my mother's parents, right, and I'm so glad that my mother's parents had such a big uh, impact on me because my grandfather was a father to me. He was the most beautiful man so I had I had a really great male role model, you know, whereas on my dad's side it was very different and they were, I mean, they just swept everything under the carpet. They knew and, you know, it, it is really common. You're right, horrendous. Yeah, we've heard it a lot. Yeah, real bad. Yeah.
0: And we've heard it a lot actually in stories that aren't even about that. Like I can't tell you how often we've had someone in here to talk about something completely different and then we'll say, "Um, what about your mum or what about so-and-so? And they'll go, oh, it's complicated because oh. I was molested by my grandfather and they don't talk to me or something. I can't tell you how often oh. that comes up. Yeah,
4: that's completely different. It always astounds me that. I mean, look, I can't say how I'd react. I'd hope I would go and absolutely raise hell but – just had a memory. I remember being at sort of a gathering of people, like you know, I can't remember if it was neighbors or friends and there was someone who was at that party and he was talking a lot to me. I was maybe and I remember my dad actually coming up and oh, pulling me away. Now, I don't know why he did that. I've got no idea. Wow. But it was just interesting. I just remember yeah. that and I'm thinking what the Dad, what? <laughs> you was know, your dad protective like that anyway? Like, Yeah, or? I think he was. I feel like because I'm, you know, a Gen Xer, like our parents were kind of not, they were involved but not super involved. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure I just
0: remember that. Wow. My, My family, their grandfather was like, they wouldn't let the girls near him.
4: Oh. Okay. So it obviously
0: was. Right. And, and this is where. they'd go, go and visit him and stay with them. No. But the little girls weren't allowed near Pop.
3: No, said so that, yeah, that's a I red flag. Oh, I didn't let my sister go. I was yeah. like, how, there's no way. Like I just, you know, yeah. I did, yeah. Oh, that's yeah, crazy. Is was that accepted. So,
0: I mean, yeah, well, you, that's, you won't believe how often we hear that sort of it stuff. It just
3: makes you so mad. Like because I know if my mum knew, I know she would have done everything yeah. to protect me yeah. you know yeah.
4: it just shows all the stuff that's involved isn't it? it's very complex and this is why sex predators childhood child sex abusers they know they've got this thing where they can scare you shame you manipulate you fucking like yeah, and
0: that there are places where it's kind of
4: almost
3: acceptable or they can totally in and yep or and just to find a way yeah, to. That's it. So my dad's dad, I don't call him grandfather, but my, my, my dad's dad, he would say oh, they'd all be sitting. I mean, they're Italians, like they've got a big, you know, family table, and all ten of them sitting around there. And he would say openly, the only reason that I don't have sexual relations with my granddaughters is because people would look at me funny. And I didn't know this until I got a little bit older. But I'm just like, how on earth are they okay with this? Like, you know. And, yeah, and my mum probably feels a little bit of guilt because she was like, I I just thought he was a bit, she goes, you know, he'd say stuff like that and laugh and joke and we'd be like, that's a bit weird and off. But, you know, I certainly don't blame my mother at all. I would never think anyone was serious when they said that. No, But that is something we, I think, as a culture are coming to terms with, that too
0: often we think people are joking yeah. Too often, even that Hey Dad story, oh, you know, there's the photo yeah. that was printed in the media of him with his hand down that little girl's pants. Oh. it's a It was a press shot and we too often in our culture have just assumed people are joking because we don't want to face it.
4: Yeah, because it's know? hard to look at, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know the stats but it, you know how we're all scared of strangers, right? Yeah. It, and they're always like, you know, no, it's the it's people you know, people yeah. You know, yeah.
3: Yep, it is more so than not, I think, isn't it? Absolutely, that's what I was saying about your family being normal
0: because, again, we talk to a lot of people about sex crimes and sex crimes against children and they always say it's it's people you know. It's usually family members. It's usually in the home or a family home. Wow.
1: I've just finished listening to your podcast with Roger. I think I felt every single emotion listening to the podcast, which doesn't often happen to me. It was very powerful. Thank you for
0: interviewing him. He was absolutely amazing. Loved his story. Thank you, Alison, for leaving us that voice message. Alison has won a copy of Roger's book, The Price of Protecting Others, as have Emma, Tracy, Robin and Rachel. And all of your lovely feedback has been passed on to Roger. You can leave us a voice message and become part of the show just like Alison by using the link in the show notes or the link on our Facebook page. You'll also find links in both of those places to join up to Australian True Crime Plus. That's where you'll enjoy early access to new episodes, episodes without ads and exclusive extra episodes of Australian True Crime every fortnight. Just click the links or check us out on Apple Podcasts.
1: to find out if it's
0: right for you.
3: So did the girl at school find you heroin? So she came back a week later and um, said, hey, I can't get it. She goes, but there's a guy that can around the corner. So it was on, it was a date, we're going to do it. And she goes, but um, there was one condition and it was she wanted, I was going to pay for it, but she wanted to try it too. Sure, whatever. Um, so, you know. I went to her place and it was very different to anything I'd ever seen before. So I walked in. So, you know, mum dropped me off. Hey, Marge. (laughs) Just going to go hang out at my new friend's house. Thanks. Get out, walk inside. And um, the girl's mother was slumped over the couch off her head on downers. Yeah, smoking inside. Um, My friend, who would have been 15, could freely light up and smoke. And I was like, whoa, like... Mm. This is a whole new
0: world for me. Like, I see what you were saying before. So is this what you, where your mind was going when you were thinking you were from like a normal family? Yeah, sorry, this, I
3: shouldn't have said that. That's not, no, not the no, right
0: no, thing I've to say. No, no, no. because we'd led you on this other tangent. But no. now I'm thinking I would have thought the same. Like and then you walk into this house and you're like, whoa, this is pretty hardcore.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm. Yeah. like so my house, you know, people think because I'm a, an ex heroin addict, like I must have grown up, you know, really rough. And I didn't. I ended up becoming very rough, but I didn't. I had very strong, good foundations. And this was the first time that I was like, oh, my God, like people live like this. Like I couldn't say fuck in front of my mother. Like I just – it didn't happen. But my mate – here we were smoking like inside. The mum was off her head on downers. I'm like, whoa, this is intense. Whole new world. So uh, we went uh, a few streets away to a, a guy, another guy. Uh, And I'd never met a guy like this before either. You know, he was probably in his mid-30s and we were, what, 15? And he uh, introduced himself and he was, you know, missing a few teeth, quite rough, looked like he'd probably just come out of jail. We went inside his little flat, gave him $50 and he handed over this tiny little Mm -hmm. parcel. And I remember thinking, like, what what is this going to do? It was the size of like a... I don't even, like a little tiny rock. It was tiny, ridiculous. Um, And that was it. That started from there, really, yeah.
0: The first thing I'm thinking is you could have killed yourself so easily,
3: right? So where where did you use and how did you use? Yeah. So we, I smoked, I started smoking heroin. It's a lot easier, I guess, to start using heroin if you're smoking it, right? Yeah, certainly for children. Yeah. (laughs) I'm assuming you didn't know how to shoot up. No, no, it's so funny though when you're hell bent on doing something yeah. though. I was wondering if this
0: guy. No YouTube
4: you, back then. No, no, no that's
0: right. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering if you got if you let this guy shoot you up or whatever. But no, you the two of you no. just left with you. Yeah, so we
3: left. Uh, he wasn't very inviting, so we sort of just took it and and left. He wasn't, but isn't it amazing when you think? I mean, really
0: and truly, yeah. Th- what this bloke could have done? Yep. Yeah. He's got two children in his flat with fifty bucks. And, you know, he's actually handed them their gear and taken their money. But there's definitely a thing among heroin users, isn't there, about the person who gave you your first.
3: Oh, oh, do I have some stories about that? Right. Totally. The person yeah, you who, are right. I can proudly say I've I've never been that person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So for this guy to give two children, yeah. babies, their first, you know, deal. Yeah, he, he pretty knew. Pretty low.
3: It is very low. Mm. Yeah. Very low. Yes. So uh, where did you go? We went to the Stables Shopping Centre. I don't know if you know the Inn Mill Park.
0: No.
3: So suburbs, just the shopping centre. Back in the days when like Kit Kats, you know Kit Kats (laughs) used to have foil on the inside. uh, Yeah, so we bought a Kit Kat. Did you use that foil? And we did. We used that foil, not suspicious at all. (laughs) Um, Gosh. And I will never forget my first experience with heroin. It was really, uh, I guess no one ever forgets really, but we are in the toilets um, of the shopping centre and taking it in turns to smoke this tiny little thing. She had received instructions on how to do it, on how to smoke it from this older gentleman. And I just remember being in there and I can't remember if we had it all. Like I, I really don't know. But all I do remember is in that moment there was nothing. There was no sadness. There was no happiness. It was just nothing and it's incredibly blissful you know so we spent a couple of hours like that just feeling amazing and wandering around the mill park shop th- this yeah, <laughs> shopping center and, did you uh, vomit well so made it back to her house and um was getting picked up by my mother i didn't know vomiting was a thing with heroin had no idea my mum came to pick me up and i'm like shit we've got a movie night tonight with the family i need to get myself together and I start feeling really, really nauseous. So she picks me up. I get in the car and I'm like, what is this going on? I feel like I'm going to spew. So we finally get home. I race to the bathroom and I spewed my guts up. And I look, I spewed I don't know how many times that night. And it was so horrible. It was horrendous. Um, I, I remember looking at myself in the mirror and I said, great, Vanessa, you've tried heroin. It's not for you. Because most people talk about that, about the fact that
0: the first time, maybe even the first couple of times they used heroin, they vomited, it was horrible, but they couldn't wait to do it again, which is off, kind of similar to alcohol really when you think about it. A lot of us as kids drink like idiots, spew, can't wait to do it again. Yeah, yeah. Let's
3: wait till next weekend. And it's human nature. It's weird. We forget the bad. Yeah. So then it became like every weekend, you know, and within a few months it was all over. But from that moment I could go to my dad's parents happily. It, I was, yep, no problem, I'll go because I had my security blanket, and shit would happen, and then I would go to the bathroom, I would use a bit more, and I'd go out and I'd be fine and that 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 you know so it it does that's what it does. You can just zone out. I don't know your Zen, I guess, yeah,
4: you hear a lot about people saying they disassociate. Is that kind of what happens? like you just take yourself out of yourself, yeah. Absolutely. So that would have helped you. Definitely, yeah.
3: Well, yeah, because you would do that anyway, I would say, disassociate, right, and then the heroin just makes it good. Yeah, it's almost like, yeah, you could, anything could happen to you while you are stoned like that, you know, and it just doesn't matter. I think it's just really sad that these
0: girls – like you're just sacrificing yourself to keep everyone else happy. It's so sad, you know. You yeah. don't want to tell your mom, you don't want to tell your dad, or your grandma, and your grand or your father's father is having his way. It's just heartbreaking, and you're numbing yourself just so that everyone else can yeah. get on with their lives.
3: Yeah, crazy. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, isn't it? The way, you know, because it's a common theme, isn't it, with abusers that manipulating and Like why is it that – so my abuser, he would say, "Uh, you can't tell anyone because I'll kill myself, right? Mm. Why did I care? Yeah, right, because intellectually you should think, great, do it. Yeah. But I was like, oh, no, he'll kill himself. Mm. That's crazy. Well, because this relying
0: on the fact that you're a child, mm-hmm. children want to make people happy. Yeah. Children don't want to hurt anybody.
4: It's so no. true. And, and they believe stuff. Oh. When you say. Yes. So they believe. They believe. And yeah. that's what I
0: mean. You'd just rather numb yourself than upset any of them. Yeah. Wow. And then you're using smack alone in the bathroom at your grandparents' house.
3: That's pretty intense when you start using alone, I think. Definitely. No longer socially with your no. friend. And I knew, well, hang on, I like this and I'm the one paying. And every time I buy it through her. You're paying for her as well. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, screw this. No. <laughs> I could have
0: two deals. Exactly. Why am I taking this idiot? Yes. Yeah.
3: So And I know, know toothless. Yes, exactly. Yep. Just Toothless with well using over there. I That's can just right. go by myself. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I'd met a couple more toothless Great. people through through my journey and um <laughs> yeah. and they injected heroin and, and I watched them do it. Mm. So I was like, oh, you know what? That looks really good. Like they they look like they're getting more bang for their buck. Mm. So, you know, I went to the city and um I got a 10 pack of fits of 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 syringes and I probably stared at them for about 15 minutes thinking, okay, how do I do this really really think about it and try to remember that one time you watched that that other toothless guy do it. And yeah, so I sat there first time and in in my bathroom. And I probably butchered myself, to be quite honest. Like, I don't think I really knew what I was doing. But it's not as easy as it looks when you watch the toothless guys no, do it, is it? is. They've right. been doing it a long it's an time. Art. And yeah. then like, pop, done. <laughs> pop, eyes closed. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So it took a while. Um, but that was it. Once I'd, I'd started doing it that way, um, it just felt so good. Like, it was a different high. It wasn't, I'm careful, obviously, not to glamorize it, but like, it wasn't a head high; it was a real body, full body experience, you know. Because I think it's also a self-harmy
0: thing. I think yeah. it's like a almost like a cutting thing. It's so right when you're in that certain space, yeah, I think there's a there's an element of that puncturing your body that's mm-hmm. a bit self-harmy as well. Yeah, I
3: think? Yeah, I totally. I don't think I would have understood that then, but I do, yeah, I totally agree. I've yeah. only really just started to think that. Yeah, I think as you're well. so right, and and quitting. Half of the addiction, they said, and I never understood this, is the act of doing it. So you get some addicts, I never did this, but some addicts would, uh, they inject water. Yeah, I've heard that Because they're addicted to the process. Yeah. So that was the downhill. I mean, it went downhill very quickly, you know. I had money. I worked at McDonald's part-time, you know. At 14 and 9 months I had a job, you know, um, and obviously school and then By that stage, teachers were sort of, you know, year 11, they they sort of were cottoning on that I was, you know, using. I had tracks all down my arms and so then, I yeah, I left uh, school for my first rehab I think halfway through year 11. Yeah. Wow, that's young. What was mum saying? We were not good at that point, yeah. I hated my mother at that point, which is horrible because I love my mum so much. Uh, I just, yeah, I... I was obviously in a lot of pain and I just wanted to use drugs all day every day and I wanted to do whatever the fuck I wanted. Sorry, just to get the timeline, by this stage
0: you've had the conversation with your dad where he said he's read your journals, he said,
3: do you want me to just forget it? Yes, I believe you're I right. believe so, yeah. So you're in this awful situation? Yeah, totally. Mum still doesn't know So, because he never said anything. Yeah, he still wanted, you know my siblings to go and visit them. and
4: Yeah. So your mum doesn't know at that point. No, she doesn't know.
3: So I kept everything from my mother, everything, the drug, like all of it, wagging, drug use. Like I did not want my mum to know any of it. And uh, there's pressure on you. So you're in
0: the middle. You don't want your little siblings. Yeah. You're trying to protect them from going to your dad's house where he lives with the predator. Yeah. But you can't tell your mum why. Your dad... Everyone over there is pretending it never happened. Yep. And actually telling you it didn't happen. It's yep. just because you're drug fucked.
3: Yep. And you're That's 16. That's stressful. That's really stressful. It's yeah. <laughs> oh. The pressure. Yeah, the pr- totally horrible. And, you know, it it all came to, yeah. p- to the surface, you know. Um, and I think it was a massive – my mum – poor mother, oh, my God. I obviously hid everything from her and – I was using heroin, like I was whacking up gear like every day and going to school, high school. My friends were not heroin addicts. My friends didn't even smoke pot. Like they were drama students. Like they were your kids, like, you know what I mean? And they knew about my horrible little habit uh, and they were always very worried by it, but they were the best friends you could ever ask for. So I used to carry my school bag everywhere, and in my school bag, I had my school books, but I also had all my syringes and everything I needed. So, one day, my mother picks me up from school, and I had a singing lesson that night, but it was cancelled. Um, so we had to go and pay the woman or something like that. My brother, my little baby brother, who's two years younger than me, was in the car in the front seat, and my mum was in the front, obviously driving. So. I jump in the back seat and we drive to my singing teacher's house and my mum says, Vanessa, just run in and give her this money. Pay her for your lesson. And I said, yep, no problem. I get out of the car. As I get out, I look at my bag and I think, I should take my backpack. I shouldn't leave it here. And I just didn't. It was that, you know, fleeting thought. I come back literally a minute later, and I see my bags open, and I sit down, and my heart, my stomach is in my throat. You know when you know you've been caught something, and you're just, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm fucked. And my mum's sitting there, and my brother's sitting there, and it's quiet. And my mum says, "Oh, I thought," um, she goes, "I um, I I I thought maybe you left yourself, uh, maybe you didn't finish all your lunch, and." And I was a bit hungry, I thought maybe there was a snack in your bag so I opened your bag and I opened the wrong paper bag and I found this and she shows me the syringes and then she starts hysterically laughing. Oh, I thought
0: you were going to say crying. Wait,
3: and then hysterically crying. And I'm just like, oh, my fucking God. You know, and my poor brother, like right there watching all of this and I just start lying oh they were handing them out in the city I didn't know what they were and I took them and then when I opened them and I got them home I freaked out I didn't know what to do with them so I just left them in my bag and I don't know what to do and I just kept saying that and the more I said it she was like oh okay yep yeah okay now that sounds like something you would do yep you've been handed this thing in the city and okay because you know I like I said I was a good kid I didn't smoke I didn't swear I'd like you know Plus that's what you want to believe oh, right God. exactly you know yeah so she chose to believe that, you know, and um, so then a few weeks later or whenever it was that everything came to the surface, it was, you know, you couldn't hide anything at that point. It all just fell, you know, she was like, it all makes sense now, you know. You went to rehab so young. I've never known anyone to like be in rehab so quickly. So how was that? It was a whole new world for me. So I I went to, the first rehab I went to was a community-based A community funded rehab. It was four beds. It was tiny. It was in a little house in Clayton in the suburbs. And I loved it. It was so cute. And the workers there were just beautiful. They became like obviously family to me. And I was just able to be a kid, you know, again, which was so awesome. So I loved it. I just played guitar all day and had these wicked workers who knew everything about me. I didn't have to hide. We could have ciggies and talk it was so awesome, you know, and we'd get other clients that had come in and I'd get really protective because they were messy and they wouldn't treat the work as well and, you know, it was like such a, a, a dork. But um, it was great. It was really, really cool and it would have been awesome. Um, another girl came into that rehab and that, you know, rehab's awesome but on the flip side you meet other addicts and so that's where things really shifted for me. And I, I think if I hadn't met and developed really good relationships with people, other clients in there, I probably would have gone back out to my family, but I met a best friend and that it was real bad. Yeah. Yeah. So we ended up becoming really, really, really close and we did everything together. And they say, you know, when you meet someone in rehab or detox or under you know, in a place where you're, there's a lot of pressure, you uh, form these really unnatural bonds. And a lot of people get relationships in rehab, don't they? Like- yes. Yeah. So that is what happened, right? And then I, my time at this rehab was up, but the workers didn't think I was ready at this point. So they wanted to move me to a new rehab for youth, which had opened in Yarrambat in the country. It was beautiful. Yeah. It was really nice. And I had a lot of funding. So I was their very first client, but person that I'd become very close with the other client let's just call Jay she was just like oh my god we're going to be separated this can't happen so we were like what are we going to do rallied really hard she then also got accepted into this long-term newer rehab we were the first two clients we had a blast the first few months were incredible uh we had this beautiful rehab to ourselves swimming pool like it was like a bloody damn resort it was like (laughs) it was magical it was crazy um, you know, just had so much fun and I don't know how much like drug work I did. <laughs> <And> <laughs> but I, you weren't using? I wasn't right? using. So yeah. you both I was clean, clean.
0: healthy, exactly. happy. Exactly. Yes. It was it's paradise. What could go
3: wrong? Totally. <laughs> um, and I was there for six months maybe or more. And I don't remember what happened, but look, during that stage, my family was back in my life. They were coming to visit me at right. rehab and they did not like Jay. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't know why. I was like, "Why? Like, well, there's nothing wrong with Jay." Like,
0: were you and Jay um, platonic friends, or were you no,
3: in a relationship? We'd actually started a relationship, but it right. was very childlike. It really wasn't. It was mostly platonic, I'd say, but but that's not how we classed it, if that makes sense. Because the other thing they always say is that our
0: emotional development stops oh. the day we start using. Ah. Oh. Have you never heard that before? No. Yeah. That's why I feel like I'm 15. Yeah. Yeah. That's <gasps> oh a very my God, I'm not in my 30s. <laughs> yeah, That's a very common um, assessment.
3: So your mum didn't like Jay. Didn't like Jay. I eventually. I don't know why we decided we wanted to leave. We were ready to leave. You know, we're gonna leave <laughs> rehab because you know we're ready and uh, let's do it. You know, no money, nothing, stupid, dumbest thing we ever did. Uh, we've got each other. You know, what what else do we need? Um, so we left and went and stayed with her elderly pop. And the the rehab, they were mortified. They were like, "What are you guys doing?" Like, please, you know. Uh, I think they'd discovered we were in a relationship and. That wasn't allowed. Now, of course, course, in the rehab. Um, So we're like, "Fuck it, we're leaving." Then, so we left, and they begged us to come back. They gave us like three days. I was like, "Please, you know." And oh god, I wish we went back. Uh, We did not. Um, And then that started a whole new chapter of life on the streets. And yeah. So where'd you go in Melbourne? Straight to St Kilda. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) We look. So that I'd never known that life. I. Here I was, um, we got linked in with the youth drug and alcohol service, which was amazing. Uh, but on the flip side, you know, you're meeting lots of other drug addicts uh, and they didn't like the idea of two young girls on the streets. So they'd put us into like emergency com like the Gatwick and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Um, Did she come from that life, Jay? Well, I thought she'd never had any, uh, she'd Never been involved with any services, but it turns out she had, yes. So I didn't know any Even of Even I knew that, oh. Vanessa.
0: Oh. Just sitting here, I thought,
3: Jay's been around.
0: <laughs> what? Like, what an idiot. Like, no, you weren't. You nah. were a child what from a, d- a from a nice home. I, I get it. it. I was and the And you same. found a
4: friend and, you know. I was the
0: same, mate. I was just from this, like, nice little normal <sighs> family and then I was
3: the same. I, get oh. I fully understand everything you're saying. It's just crazy. Yeah. I just... I was with Jay for four years and it ended up because it was a, um, an abusive relationship. Yeah. So I'd get smacked around all the time. I ended up having to work for Jay. Oh, yes. Yeah. Was typically- she older than you? Um, maybe a year. Okay. Yeah. A very, just the person, uh, I can't, look, workers have said to me, and I don't know if this was proven, but I had workers say, you know, that she's a textbook sociopath. So I don't know whether she was, like, whether that was in her file. I don't know. But, like, yeah, just, you know, oh, what an idiot. So my family did not like this person. But once I'd left rehab, my family were the furthest thing from my mind and they wouldn't speak for – they didn't know if I was dead, alive, nothing for years. We were talking to someone in a show the other day about just the idea of,
0: like, how hard you have to work in that lifestyle, like, just to survive. It's so – and – how chaotic your life becomes and you don't even know. Like you can know someone. If I knew you and Jay, I could be sitting in my flat in St Kilda, right, and you would come over and I had had many, many friends, couples like you guys, and you would come over, stop by for a coffee and you'd just be chatting about your life and I'd be sitting and thinking, oh, Jesus Christ, can you hear yourselves? Can you hear how hard your life is? The drama. The drama, the chaos. How hard you have to work because of the way you're working because, you know, like you're just making your lives so hard. Your addiction makes life so hard and it makes you not understand how hard your life is.
3: Yep. And then you just – you almost get addicted to the drama. The drama. Mm -hmm. It's just – and you're victims and, you know, like – I was everything was happening to me. Everything's and, happening to me. Yeah. It's
0: someone else's fault all oh, the time. Oh my god! Yeah, 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 totally. The world owes me. Yeah, it's, oh. it's always someone else's fault. I've been evicted again, even though yes. yeah, okay, I haven't paid rent in eight yeah. months, and I've smashed the joint up <laughs> yes. and rah rah rah, and I've always got bikies coming around in the middle of the night and and abusing the neighbours. But how
3: could they evict me? Yes, you know. Well, yeah, I, I um, I was signed to a record label at. Dur- wow. During all that, and they were paying for a, a, a studio apartment in um in Fitzroy, we burnt the fucking place down. That's what, <laughs> right? And how could they? Oh. And they kid- did they kick you out? Yeah, I was on the street. Can It's
4: disgusting. Oh my I god,
0: I hope. And then <laughs> that's ridiculous.
4: <laughs> how old were you at this stage when you're in St Kilda?
3: Yeah, seventeen.
4: <gasps> when when I was introduced okay, to
3: that. Wow, is that young? Yes, but yeah, yeah. that's yep. quite young. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, most people are still definitely living with their parent or parents. You know, most people are still at school. Were you You were working at that stage?
3: Uh, no, so never worked. Uh, we met a girl, uh, long story short, we met a girl through the services who had worked before. So we were all talking about how to get money and this girl said, hey, well, you know what? I used to work. Why don't we go to Grace Street? And I was dead against it. I was just like, no, fuck, I am not. I Sorry, like I don't fucking do that. I am not going to Gray Street. And Jay and this other girl begged and they said, you don't have to do anything. We're just going to be there supporting this girl. I'm like, okay, that was the agreement. So we go. We're standing around for 10 minutes, not even. And I'm like, what are we fucking waiting for? And a cab driver pulls up. And um, this girl who had worked in the past walks up to the cabin. I'm like, hey, hey, cool. She'll do her thing and she'll come back. Anyway, she walks back over and she looks at me and she says, he wants you to me. And that was a life changing moment because, you know, I didn't want to let the team down.
0: Thank you to our guest today, Vanessa Valentine, who'll be back next week for the second instalment of her story, which takes a pretty unexpected turn,
3: even by Vanessa's standards. It was only when I said, hey, I don't know if I can go to America for that massive tour and the thing we're doing, because, hey, I'm a criminal, uh, yeah, and I've got a criminal record. That's next week on Australian True Crime.
0: Thank you for downloading this episode of Australian True Crime, recorded at a Hub Australia media studio, hubaustralia.com. Find the workspace that's right for you.
1: This has been another Smartfella production in conjunction with the Acast Creator Network.
2: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.